Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Double Vision, the photography of George Rodriguez, is the first ever career retrospective containing over 200 photographs selected by Rodriguez in concert with scholar, writer, and curator Josh Kuhn. The book spans five decades of photographic work split across two vastly different lives. His glamorous work for film studios and record labels alongside vivid, bracing images documenting the social movements and pro protests that were exploding on the streets of Los Angeles and throughout the country. George Rodriguez's career reveals a visual history of Los Angeles that spans over 45 years. Born and raised in South LA, he has documented some of the most important struggles in the city's history. The East Los Angeles student walkouts, the Ch Chicano moratorium, and the United Farm Workers Movement alongside others. Through his work in the television recording and film industries, he has photographed stars like Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, Lucille Ball, Michael Jackson, Jim Morrison, and more. Josh Kuhn is a 2016 MacArthur Fellow and the winner of a 2018 Berlin Prize and a 2006 American Book Award. His research focuses on the arts and politics of cultural connection with an emphasis on popular music, sound, the cultures of globalization, the U.S.-Mexico border, Los Angeles, and Jewish American musical history. He founded the USC Annenberg Distinguished Lecture Series on Latin American Arts and Culture. He, as a critic and journalist, Kuhn has contributed to the New York Times, the LA Times, the American Prospect, Los Angeles Magazine, LA Weekly, and other publications. We're delighted to have George Rodriguez and Josh Kuhn with us tonight, so please help, help me give them a warm welcome. Hi everybody, thanks for coming out. Hello. On a school night, on a summer camp night. Whenever you're poison. How are we doing? Oh, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm late. I was out the other end of Vermont. Just fun? Just because? Oh man, I thought I'd be early. <laughs> you live in LA, you know what that's like. Yeah. It's water right there, you guys. Water. Right there on the shelf. If you're thirsty. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so we're here to talk about Double Vision, which I don't know, people have seen Double Vision in, in, the, in the actual page-turning flesh, um, uh, published by Hatton Beard Press, uh, we're in the house tonight, um, and uh, we're really proud that this book is, um, has been finding its audience and being noticed um, uh, by folks across the country, and we're thrilled to be here at Skylight, um, which is always like the measure of um, stress, uh, of anxiety, of being in such a great bookshop, and especially during this week, it's a crazy week with such uh, great writers all week reading. So um, I know I'm thrilled to be here. I know you're thrilled to be here. Yeah, yeah no, I'm glad to be here. It's great. Uh, I've never been in this neighborhood. I mean, not recently. So uh, was this ever on your on your photography radar? Uh, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> you are now. Yeah. Oh, now we are. Okay. <laughs> So um, what we'll do is we'll talk for a little bit, and then we'll um, we'll just have a group conversation Q and A, and then um, 
Um, hopefully people are going to pick up some books and George uh, will sign them. And uh, I wanted to start by, and we, we've been, we've known each other for uh, seven or eight years or so now, right? I'd say like three or four, but uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that long, you know? That's true, because it's just such a beautiful friendship. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're always, it's always out of town. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> so friendship based on guilt and uh, remorse. Um, and so we've talked a lot over the years between us and, and, and increasingly um, in front of um, audiences about things. So we're trying to, I, I wanted to maybe ask some questions we haven't talked about um, recently. One of the things I was thinking about today was you know, a lot of the, the photographs that are in the book and a lot that have been talked about, particularly in the press, and particularly this year, um, because of the 50th anniversary of um, the walkouts um, in East Los Angeles, has been your role in, in um, photographing East Los Angeles. And so a lot of times people refer to George in the same breath as East Los Angeles. And what's important, I think, for this conversation and for the book is that you were not born in East Los Angeles. Um, you uh, are the product of downtown Los Angeles, of Skid Row, and then ultimately of South Los Angeles. Can you yeah. talk about those neighborhoods in your life? Um, well, my dad, um, my parents, they came here in 1935 from San Antonio, Texas. And my dad uh, started a shoe repair shop on Skid Row. And uh, so I lived there till I was about 13 years old. And then we moved to South Central. Um, the good part about that is that um, I, I lived in an area where I could go to Fremont High School, and Fremont had an incredible photography course for a high school. Um, I think that's very little known, but um, they turned out some, like at one time, a quarter of the white magazine photographers graduated from that high school, uh, not at the same time, but uh, they went there. Um, uh, and for a high school, I think that was just incredible. Anyway, that, and I was fortunate to, to go to Fremont and uh, study under uh, Mr. Bach, and uh, eventually got a job after school. When I was like 15 years old, I started working in a floor lab, which is an incredible foundation for anybody that takes photographs. Um, so, by the time I graduated when I was 17, I, I knew quite a bit about film and how it works, so it's a, it's a big advantage. Um, so, um, I've been around for a long time, because I actually started very young when I was, I was like about, actually 17, 18 when I started taking photos. And what was the first photograph of yours that was that was published in the paper? Um, when I was, well, actually, when I was 15 years old, I entered the uh, um, Eastern Kodak National Photographic Awards, and I won second prize with a picture of uh, some seagulls, um, which helped to pay. I won $100, so that helped to pay for the camera that my dad bought with my he bought from my uncle, so we paid him back. What was the first prize? The first prize was $250, a picture of a duck. <laughs> In no world Some should, should duck beat seagulls. I know, I know. <laughs> what really hurt was uh, she went to Hamilton. 
that's a very good LA joke for those who aren't familiar with Fremont Hamilton battles. Hamilton's a pretty nice looking school. <laughs> anyway, um, no, seriously, because I think, I think the campus has been used in like commercials and stuff. What is it? It's on. Uh, and Robertson, right? Ro yeah. And Robertson. Robertson, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so if you're in free at Fremont when you were there, it was basically you could be a photographer or become a member of a doo-wop group. That's what Fremont was <laughs> well, very much known for. Believe it or not, um, you know, you don't, it's like everything else. I mean, later on this would happen often, but uh, when I was in high school, I actually took a picture of the penguins performing in, in the studio at school, and they were singing Earth Angel. Um, but it, it wasn't that big a deal, because there were other groups, you know, like uh, Don Julian and the Metal Arts. Uh, um, so many groups, the, the Feathers, oh, the Blossoms, originally were the Dreamers with Richard Baer. And how many at that time in South LA um, while you're at Fremont, how strong was the Mexican American community in South Central at that time? Oh, uh, no, it's very minimal. Um, I, I don't think there were that many. Well, mostly Chicanos were in Watts, there was like a community there, but in South Central, um, there's very few. Um, it's primarily African American and. Uh, Essentially, a few white people, because this is like a transition. Yeah. I'm talking about 1949, 1950, although I graduated in 1955 from Fremont High School. Um, and I, I recall that um, my teacher once said that, you know, because now the school was predominantly African American, that, that, that you know, it sort of put an end to the turnout of photographers, not because they weren't qualified, it's because they weren't being hired, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I remember that very well. A friend of mine, that was in Florida, he went to work for, um, I think, The Wave or something like that. But there are not many places to go, you know, for work. What did your father think of your interest in photography? Uh, he wanted me to be, um, um, somebody that worked in an office, you know, doing books. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, photography was just something on the side. Um, I think he wanted me to get into a business course. Well, I know that I started uh, with those electives in school. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I got into photography. But, um, Mainly, like I say, I got a job after school working in a photo lab, but it wasn't, it had really very influence of photography. Mainly I had to make some money, and I had to get out and help out. Um, so the big perk was that while I was working, I was learning, and I never thought about that until many years later. But. Um, I mean, that's a really important part of your story, I think, that is somewhat singular, um, is that the bulk of your training as a photographer, if you will, came from your work in labs, working with other people's films. Right, exactly, exactly. That's how I learned. 
but like I said, initially I just got a job to make some money. Um, but working in the photo lab, it seems that kind of stuck with me because then I, I seem to progress towards this area, to the Hollywood area. So I've, I've worked in every lab that was down here. Um, eventually, um, I was fortunate to be asked to set up a lab at Columbia Studios because they had they couldn't maintain their lab, so they closed it. And uh, this man that I was processing film for, where I was working, he asked me if I would come to Columbia and set up to run film. And who, who was that? His name was Phil Cutler. Okay. He's this little old guy that used to make the rounds of the studios. He would go to like 20th Century, Paramount, um, United Artists, Columbia and pick up the film that was shot by the Stillman, and then he would bring it to where I was working at a place called Newell's. And um, so he figured that if he could hire me to do that uh, at this lab in, at Columbia that was empty, then he wouldn't be the middleman anymore. Well, I guess he still would. Uh, so that's what happened. That's, uh, I, <clears throat> he asked if I, I would want to do that, come to work at Columbia Studios. Of course, you know, I did, and um, it's pretty weird because it's like a huge area, a huge lab, and I was the only one in there. You know, just, uh, it's like an overkill of all this equipment, and I just set up a line to run ectochrome, which is like seven tanks of chemicals. So black and white is like three, but um, color is about seven, eight tanks. And, and that sounded like a big deal, but that's what I did, you know, I, that's what I did. Um, so it's kind of easy for me. Yeah. And as part of the training for that, you also worked with uh, a guy named Sid Avery. Yeah, Sid Avery. Uh, so people, does that name mean anything to folks, Sid Avery? Explain a little. Uh, Sid Avery, he shot for like Look and Colliers for Life magazine. Uh, he's a great photographer. Um, and one of the major, particularly one of the major celebrity photographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there were a few that worked in Hollywood, but they're mainly magazine photographers that were, I think if you were in the Hollywood area, then you would be hired to, to do stories. And so when you were working with Avery, for example, you would go with him on shoots? Exactly, exactly, yeah. I went to, um, what I recall, we went to shoot Lawrence Welk at the, the Paragon Ballroom, at the end of the pier down there. Mm -hmm. And later he came uh, oh, a rock and roll that year. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we shot, or he did, um, Lawrence Walk, and then, and then we went to Lucille Ball's house. He did a, uh, like a home layout on Lucille Ball, and I recall that very well because um, he, he set up a shot where he was, she was barbecuing, and one of her eyelashes came off and fell in the coals, and it went. It just burned up. And then more recently, somebody found that photograph, right? Yes, that's right. It was a long, long time ago. Anyway, there's, um, you know, the, the word luck comes up a lot when you're taking pictures. And then you get lucky occasionally when you take the photograph. But uh, I think I mentioned that. But it takes so much experience and time and years to 
to get to the point to be there. So you're not lucky that you're there. You're just hopefully lucky when you take a photograph. But you have to pay your dues, you know. I mean, it's just not... Photography is a great deal of fun, but um, it takes a lot of background, a lot of study. Um, it, it's weird that as a photographer, you're kind of, you're always learning, you know, that phrase about hopefully it comes out. But there's a point where all of a sudden you're very confident, you know what you're doing, so you don't worry about the technical part anymore. And that's when you can start taking photos. Uh, before then, um, uh, it's very difficult. Uh, I mean, you're, like I said, you're, you're learning, and especially when I started out, I learned on a 4x5 on speed graphics, and uh, uh, that's why the quality of, of photos from the 30s and 40s and 50s is so good, because those images are in a 4x5 format. But, um, but there's a world difference between those days and today, because um, when you're shooting 4x5, I mean, it, it was a whole different time. Uh, what, what I noticed recently is that those photographers, they were all dressed up. I mean, they had suits and ties and hats, and, and on top of all that, they carried a lot of equipment. Uh, with a 4x5, you had to slide a holder into the back and then pull the slide, cock the shutter and focus. And, and hopefully you already got the technical part down, your, your exposure. But um, it's a lot more difficult than, uh, you know, people like me really appreciate what those guys do. Yeah. I mean, iPhone filters are really hard too. Yeah. It's really hard to get those pictures. So when you went to, for the, when you're starting to hang out with Avery and you're, and you're um, you know, getting close to these celebrities and working um, with them, and then eventually Columbia, um, you're increasingly both in that world, but still not really in it. Yeah. Um, what, what was what, was that something that you were thinking about as a as a young man that that you were moving between where you were living in South Los Angeles, um, your identity as a Mexican American in Los Angeles, and well, I never thought, other places. You know, I never thought about the, the Chicano part. You know, you, um, I, you know, I tell people I'm a photographer. You know, I'm a Chicano, but I'm a photographer. Um, I, I hope people understand that, but um, um, I, I don't know, I mean, I never really gave it a lot of thought, but I mean, I was going from 60th and Avalon to Sunset and Gower, that's a world of difference, especially since like 60th and Avalon at that time was like a drug center, it was a corner where you went to buy your drugs, you know, your heroin, anything. But, it's only different, you know, I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, you don't think about it. Yeah. I remember I had a problem once at home, and, and my boss said, why don't you call the cops? And uh, I thought, that's so weird, you know, call the cops. Why would you call the cops? <laughs> because, um, again, that was a whole t different time, you know, I mean, uh, or not so different. Yeah. It changes. But, but at Columbia, so one of the one of the things that starts to happen though is that um, when you're at Columbia um, in the late '60s, in particular, when things start to get hot in East Los Angeles, when their student walkouts, when eventually the moratorium happens, um, these are all events that you decide you want to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man, I don't know. It's just something that. Um, 
the way it was the way I was brought up at home, you know. Uh, my family, especially my dad, well, they were like hardcore Mexicans, and uh, they had a lot of concern for things going on. But um, but for me, when the Chicano movement began, I just saw it as uh, I wanted to cover it, like I was like the photographs that I was seeing in Life magazine on the African American movement. I wanted to do the same thing, and I could do it. So that's what I did. Um, and eventually I got the idea to do a book, and uh, that's why I have so very much on those times, because it always going towards a book. And uh, hopefully eventually it still will, you know, another book. Volume two of a five-volume set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. there's certainly yeah. enough work. But mainly, I think what I want to say is that when I worked at... Um, Every color lab, I would process film for Hollywood photographers. I mean, great photographers you probably never heard of, just regular working guys that had studios and would shoot for magazines, but for local papers and so on. And so they would shoot, you know, like Kim Novak, top stars in their studios. And uh, so they would get press credentials to go to the premieres and. Um, it would be beneath them to go to a premiere because they would shoot these big stars in the studio and, and for them to show up and be behind a rope you know, wouldn't be too cool for them, but I could go. So once they realized that, they would give me uh, their press credentials. So, you know, like I say, at the time you don't realize what's happening, but it's so incredible to, to see a premiere of like West Side Story and, Lawrence of Arabia, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and, and, and the stars are right there. I think I, I, I think I'll take the picture. But um, I think the difference as I've thought about it now and then from then is that there was only maybe, maybe a dozen of us photographers doing that. But we were rational, we were kind of polite and we weren't crazy, we, we were well behaved and so we could do it. And, and what you would do with your, your film is obviously take it home, develop it, and put a package together and send it off to magazines that existed you know, at that time, fan magazines that are not around anymore. So, I mean, it'd be rare, but occasionally somebody would buy something. And uh, that meant so much, you know, not so much even for the money, but for the CMA, you know, uh, that was hard to believe, you know, that um, it's really amazing the feeling you get when it's like you're, you're kind of for real, you know, you're not like a regular known Hollywood photographer, but at least you, you, you're published, you know, so it's a really good feeling, especially if you're pretty young. George, what was the, so that you just described that feeling for us of going to a premiere and, and that there's, a, there's a sense of, of awe or a sense of spectacle there. But compare, compare that feeling though to what starts to happen a few years later when you're, for example, on assignment for West Magazine and you're in Delano with the farm workers. What, what's that feeling like compared to that? Well, I think um, for some reason, I think even as a kid, you know, when it's tea, television began, you see these images of, the, of maybe TV studios, and I kind of noticed that, and, and I wanted to do that, and I wanted to be a part of that. I, 
it's really weird what you remember. It's like I used to do telephones, and that was really so exciting because you could go sit in the audience. And actually, a long time ago, you could actually go to like KTTV and um, say you wanted to, you could go walk in and watch uh, uh, a news show or a talk show. Yeah, you just sat in, not even in a seat, you just sit there and watch them do that. But um, um, anyway, um, somehow, like I said, when you're beginning, you don't appreciate shooting a personality because um, you have so much on your mind uh, as to get it right and so on. But um, with the part about Delano and going to meet Susie Chavez, uh, that's, that's real special because um, not only like the farm workers, but like even today you hear somebody out there and you want to be there, you want to meet that person and you want to take photos. Um, well, that happened to me, but um, you really don't know when it happens. You want to be a part of that and then you are a part of that. Um, uh, it's hard to explain, but it's like Maldeth. Maldeth is the, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund. And you and when not before I was a part of them, I, I would hear about them and all the work they're doing. And then you, you just so admire and respect that. And then before you realize that you're doing work for them, you're a part of that. You're, you know, you're part of that family. Um, uh, those are, you know, what make you feel good when your work, you know, helps causes. Did, did you ever have a similar feeling that you felt a part of Hollywood? In the way that you felt like you were part of? No, 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 not really. Um, you know, sometimes you're in awe of people, and uh, that's pretty rare. I mean, um, they're like everybody else. Uh, I mean, stars. I mean, sometimes you realize somebody is extremely talented. Uh, and that's when, you know, like I, I remember hearing um, This guy that East of Eden, the director, what's his name? I feel like you've asked me this question. I have asked. And, I, and I, I never know the answer. George Stevens? No. Uh, he's going to go. He also did Rebel Without a Cause. Anyway. Was it Eli Kazan? Eli Kazan. Eli Kazan. Okay. I remember having to go with a, an editor to take pictures of that guy. And so I took my photos, and then I had to sit and listen to uh, him be an interview. But just, just all he talked about and what he had done, the conversation, that you know, I felt this guy is really extraordinary, you know, for all things he had done. Nicholas uh, Ray. Pardon? Nicholas Ray. Nicholas Ray. Nicholas Ray directed Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know. Tell me the things like that you trigger memories. Um, I go to um, Ron Baird's house, no, uh, to Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner's house to shoot a 10th anniversary cover for Ron Baird's magazines. And, um, and he, uh, the, like his aunt, I recall that he had said his favorite actress was Natalie Wood to work with. And I thought that was interesting. Um, but anyway, like I say, you have 
sometimes you're around people that you know that are special. Obviously, Cesar Chavez would be one of those, but who I've mentioned before was um, um, Janice Joplin. Yeah. Um, you feel. Well, you did not get to take a picture of it. I didn't get a photo of it. But you know who's in that same bag? I mean, he's not that well known, Johnny Rivers. So, yeah, so this I was going to ask you because at the same time you were in Columbia and you were with the press passes going. Um, to the premieres, you also were going down to the Sunset Strip and seeing yeah, music. Exactly. Um, and w really the, the kind of gateway for you into shooting musicians was this guy Johnny Rivers. Yeah. How yeah. many Johnny Rivers fans in the house? Probably. Gotcha. I had a feeling. That guy, you know, I don't know. Uh, he's not that well known, but uh, there's something about them. They're like living pieces of art. You know, they're not phony. They're the real deal, you know, when they, whatever they say. The way they act, you know. And he was at the whiskey, right? He was playing at the yeah, whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, as far as Johnny Rivers goes, um, when I worked at Columbia, there somebody would get the trades, uh, read the trades, and then I think at Variety they talked about this new club called the Whiskey Go Go. So I went down there, and um, Johnny Rivers was the, like the he started the whiskey. I mean, as an artist there, and so I I did some photos on him and sent them to Liberty Records and uh, then I got a call uh, to come down there and, he, and then Johnny Rivers was there and said this is exactly what I'm looking for. There was just nothing like photos. But anyway, that was the beginning of uh, my introduction to doing a lot within the recording industry because um, to begin with, Johnny Rivers had two companies, Soul City Records and Johnny Rivers Music. So I did a lot of work with them which meant the 50 Mansion, Jimmy Webb, Al Wilson. Um, but the, the thing, at that time, I don't know how it is today, but like the studios, recording studios were like a family. It was a network of, uh, you know, big time musicians. And they all knew each other, they all played together, although they weren't in a band. Um, so the point is that if they needed someone like a photographer or whatever, uh, because if that family is very small. In my case, you know, that they, they, someone would say, well, I know a guy, George. So uh, that's how that began, you know, just. Um, and one of, the, one of the stories that evolved out of that was the night that you went to Whiskey uh, to shoot a band called Them, oh, yeah, who yeah. were in town. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Um, when you say that, because that's probably how I knew them as them, and not Van Morrison and them, because it was never him and them, it was just right. them, them. So anyway, I, had a, I got a, an assignment from, uh, I think it was Bang Records, to go to the Whiskey and shoot um, uh, Van Morrison, so I did that, and uh, the last set, because uh, the doors were the house band, they, somebody joined someone, so it, it ends up with them playing a whole set together, but um, um, somebody brought the fact that, I don't know how they knew, but they were singing Gloria, Van Morrison song. Um, in fact, Raymond Zarek one time said that it'd be interesting to put together all these photographs with the song, you know, and I think that's done today. That would be very cool. I mean, it's interesting because when I first saw that series of photographs, and there's probably in that set there that at least that you printed, 15 or so. 
Yeah, yeah, they're expensive. Uh, uh, there's a lot, but you printed about yeah, fifteen. Yeah, um, and they're really gorgeous, historic photographs of Jim Morrison and the Doors and Ben Morrison and them singing together at the whiskey. And the only, correct me if I'm wrong, the only photo from that series that was eventually published or released was the the solo shot of Ben Morrison's face that ended up on that solo record of his, um, blown away. Oh yeah, yeah. And all the rest of that series um, hadn't been published. No, I don't think so. I don't know how that worked. Um, and you know, the, the, everybody. I mean, there's different situations. Sometimes you just uh, give them the, the shot that they got, or or you're being paid for the night, and they, they keep everything. I know. Um, I got a bunch of. I got proof sheets on the doors, and I don't have the next to them, so I don't know how that happened. It's unfortunate, but um, but we do have some images in the book <laughs> from, from that night. Which you know, I'm it's um, things that are maybe here or there. But if I had it all to do over again, I would like shadow Elvis Presley. I mean, take a lot of photos of where he was. I'd be there, and I couldn't stand him. You know, I, I, I mean, two songs I like that he did. I mean, but I'm not a fan. But then anything on uh, Elvis. Is worth a fortune, you know. I mean, uh, any original stuff on Elvis Presley, there's collectors. You just name your price. So hold on, if you were gonna do it all over again, you just do it to make more money off an Elvis picture. I don't believe I'm, I'm you. Not any part of it, <laughs> but I do a lot of this stuff. Um, so how did you end up with the Laffer Company? Now I don't, I don't know how well, I know, it's gonna date. Exactly it's gonna date myself, but. You know, I was a big-time subscriber of a quality magazine called Tiger Beat. Wow, well, I know. Um, <laughs> I know, like, this was big in Tiger Beat. Um, any Tiger Beat fans? Do you, anyone know what Tiger Beat was? Well, everybody has heard of it and knows about it, but nobody's subscribed yeah. to it. The fan, uh, how would you describe it? It was a, a teen fan magazine. It's easy to work for, but uh, I used to have to tell people, this is not time life, you know, it's time to be, because they, they took things too serious, but, um, you know. You shot all kinds of young young stars at that time. Yeah, 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 that, uh, I shot them before they did anything. Tom Cruise. Because, like, the same uh, managers would bring these guys, because they handled young people, young guys. Right. Um, but I mean, I shot like uh, Tom Cruise, um, Rob Lowe, Christian Nichol. How long ago that you know? I've also, never made it to anything. The entire but, cast of Different Strokes. <laughs> yeah, it's only three of them. Kids, and, uh, but I pulled that punch. Um, maybe there's only two actors. And that would be. Um, Ricky Schroeder was pretty cool, and uh, um, that kid, the, the show you just mentioned. Which one? Different strokes? The one said, what's say Willis, something like that. Yeah, Gary Coleman. Gary He was the actor. The auteur was, yeah. Yeah, great, great. You know, it's funny, you don't realize, like I said, I shouldn't love people better. Or just being brought to for photographs and they kind of test them. But you don't know who's going to make it, but you kind of know who's not going to make it. <laughs> Some people know right off the bat, man. 
obviously that being Michael Jackson. Um, so you shot Michael Jackson the first time he was in Los Angeles with the Jackson Five. Before they were they're still in Indiana when I shot them. I mean, but they were performing out here. Uh, I was doing work for Motown when Motown was still in Detroit, and then they came here. And so for the first Jackson Five record was actually Diana Ross presents the Jackson Five. Yeah, yeah. And you shot the photos on the back of that. Right, exactly. And obviously, as, as you know, she didn't discover him. Two or three other people, you know. I mean, there's one guy that really did, and then, uh, well, that's a long story. When you were, so when you were at Tiger Beat, though, you were, as part of the Laffer Company, you were shooting for many of their magazines. And they yeah, had they did. Roland Barthes Hollywood. Um, Stickers uh, and stuff, also favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, did, they did a lot of soap magazines. They did a country magazine. Uh, they did a disco magazine. Brown's Thrills. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't that, that was wasn't love for that piece. Huh? Brown's Thrills was um, is a, a black chain of romance magazines, and uh, they got my name out of right on, and because they they realized I shouldn't the soul train dancers that were very attractive, they asked if I would do headshots on them and send them to them because they needed covers of attractive. Uh, African-American ladies for their magazines. So I did that, and uh, really worked, you know, the, you know. you shot for Yo and Fresh, early hip hop. Yeah, Yo and Fresh. And that, is that where you connected with NWA? Was that the first time you shot them? No, I think the first time would have been for Ride On. For Ride On. And then um, one of the editors left to go work for Yo and Fresh. So what was it like the first time you met NWA? Oh, um, it's, it's, again, it's like you hear about people. I mean, uh, that's why I have the background that, you know, out there. Um, I don't know. I was really impressed with those guys. Um, you get a feeling about something that, again, this is the real deal. These guys are for real. You know, you don't step on their values. You treat them with a lot of respect. And um, they're not trying to impress anyone, you know. Um, it's like, uh, I thought about that when somehow it was mentioned that Dr. Dre went to my high school. I remember his reaction, you know, what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no Fremont hug, because you're a No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I'm so fortunate. I mean, uh, I loved, you know, especially like the, I did a fashion layout on the, uh, the Soul Train Dancers and um, because my studio was partially a, a dance studio and a small theater, um, they, they would just show up. If they saw my car in my studio, they would show up because they would use my place to rehearse. And I, after a while, I thought, that's cool. You know, I love watching them, you know, and. Uh, um, and they just loved coming and going through their routines and eventually they became good buddies of mine and you learn so much. You learn so, so much about, you know, from, from a group like that. Um, because they're like in the forefront. They're, they're talking, they're using language people will be talking, you know, in 10 years. You know, slang and stuff. And not so much, well, maybe styles, but I don't know. Um, they were a lot of fun to be around. Um, 
Uh, one interesting point is that, um, again, I, I rented from the Professional Dancers Society in Burbank. And uh, so dance companies would come through LA and they would also rehearse in the building I was in. So that was a big plus for me to, to see this. But, um, but that society, uh, they knew of like um, Donald O'Connor and Missy Gaynor. But that's, you know, and people aren't that. But guys that I had in, that I was shooting, like MC Hammer and Shabadoo and Soul Train Dancers, had no clue about that. You know, they, don't, they didn't realize that that what was happening now at that time. So again, all those layers and all those worlds yeah. accidentally meet up through your lens. Well, I, I never think about that, you know. Um, I, you know, um, up until most recently, then with the book, I can see that, you know, uh, you know, I guess I, I'm taking some photos, but before then, <laughs> no, before then, to me, uh, the real photographers, in fact, uh, my best friend, he spent his whole life at NPC as a photographer. He shot um, a lot of stuff, but mainly the Elvis comeback special. But in any case, he, he, when, when I would introduce him to other people, I would introduce him as a real photographer. And I meant that, because uh, I felt like I was just poo-pooing my way along, you know, just trying to make it, never really having like a, like a job, you know, other than yeah. working for myself. Um, I think if, um, if the Lawford company hadn't been bought by a company back east, I'd probably still be working for them. Oh, no, they don't exist anymore. But it, that forced me to, to set up a studio. Otherwise, I may not. Well, I, think, I do think one of the things that your work taking together does is, and I know that you push back against this, is make us ask that question. What is a real photographer? And what is a real picture? And what's a good picture? And what's not? And I think that, for me, the beauty of your work is that it's so expansive um, and, and, and moves across all of those hierarchies. Um, and I think you're a real photographer, and this book celebrates you as such. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I changed my mind that uh, Just so now? I, I, a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that photography is not an art, you know, but I would say that occasionally, maybe once or twice a year, it can be. But for the most part, you know, you're just taking pictures of something. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, um, I see things that other people have done, I'm amazed, you know. I mean, um, uh, I, I wouldn't be like that, you know. But I'm taking some pictures that I, I'm, I'm glad that I shot them. Yeah. I would like them, even if I didn't shoot. Any questions from you all? Comments? Is there something you want to be like? Like the photographer, you, you just said, I want to be like that, or I want to take that picture. Oh, man. Um, my, my idol, I guess, of all time would be Joseph Karsh. He's a, a portrait photographer from Canada. Um, he died in a long time ago. Um, but he, he was very different. The quality of his work is incredible, but he shot like 5 x 7 8 by 10 format. You know? Uh, and then when he shot pictures, he only shot like five, six photographs, and that was it because of 
he was into new cameras, and but that's all he needed, you know. Um, it's totally different. Uh, then my, my idols were like magazine photographers, I mean like life magazine photographers. Uh, uh, recently, uh, that picture of the, uh, I think it was over the weekend, there was a full page in the LA Times, but those two African sprinters raised in their hair. Uh, those, that's a John Darwin lesson with the Fremont. Um, a lot of iconic photographs came out of that school. Yeah, what, what was it like shooting Michael Jackson? Uh, what was he like? Yeah. Oh man, at the beginning he was a sub-regular kid, um, sub-regular, regular kid. With two pet rats. Yeah, he had two rats, one named Ray and one named Charles. That's in the book too, Bob. I don't know, that, you know, I took pictures of him when he was like 15 years old the very last time. And I could see a change, you know, just, uh, uh, he was very preoccupied, I mean, very polite, you know, I mean, he would work with you, but his mind was somewhere else, you know, just, I don't know what happened there, but um, as a kid, he was a cute, cute little guy, um, and extremely talented. He's one of the personalities that, first time I saw him, I thought, uh, you know, I mean, like, they were superstars overnight. They played the form, they were introduced to the form. The next day they were superstars, rightfully so. He was incredible. Not, not a lot of people like that. And you, one of the earliest photos that you took of him with the rats was in his bedroom in, in Encino. In Encino. They had like a compound yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, but they had just come out here from, I guess, Gary, Indiana. Yeah. They had a couple dogs, big dogs, and a couple of cars in the backyard. Yeah, and again, really cool, cool family. I know Joe Jackson died recently, and um, to me, you know, just a few times I was around them, he seemed like a great guy. I mean, good, good father. I don't know, you know. I guess you got to be there all the time to really judge. But to me, the the Jacksons are just a very loving family, from what I have seen, and. Um, uh, again, uh, with Michael, Ruben knew, knew my brother Rudy. <clears throat> my brother Rudy used to go with me on assignments, and uh, so he went with me the very first time I went to their house. And we were talking to Michael, and Michael realizes this is my brother. And we're like in our 30s, and Michael asked me who could beat up who. <laughs> And the answer was? <laughs> no, we never thought. Okay. <laughs> Other questions? Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm curious about the cover photo. I was wondering if you could describe what it is and why you chose it to be the cover of the book. What, that one? <laughs> why was it chosen? Oh. I could speak to that part, but describe what the photo is. Well, I think um, it's just uh, the first choice, and I thought it's okay. No, but what's in, what's in the photo? <laughs> what's in the photo? What is the photo of? Oh, well, it's a kid that's going to Roosevelt High School, and these are the walkouts, and they're being arrested. Uh, plus, they're getting hit on the head with batons. I mean, literally hit on top of them. Yeah, with batons. And, 
I'm just kind of sober, but those, most of the kids are like 14, 15 years old. Uh, and the counselors just hang out and laugh and are going to rest somebody else. So. Uh, in terms of why the cover, um, we tried lots of different combinations. The designer of the book, Brian Rosinger, is not here, I think. Is he? I don't think so. Um, but we went through lots of different scenarios. and, and I should also turn this over. It, 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 the reason it's called Double Vision is because there's actually two covers. Um, and so that you could flip it around and this would act, the back would also serve in a way as a cover and they represent at least you know, two of the many worlds that George moved through. Yes, yeah. I think it's a good example of how things used to be because I remember, obviously I'm very, very close and I was shooting with a two and a quarter of rolling um, and I'm probably like about four feet away. But this would be, um, I don't know, 62 and you couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. To get that close? No. No. And I guess rightfully so, it's a whole different time today. A whole different time. Yeah, so we tried in the, in the design process and layout process to try to think about how to use the design and layout of a book to make its own kind of arguments um, alongside the text and alongside the photos. So that was, in a way, how to came about. Well, you know, one thing I did know that definitely that color combination is very, very hip right now, black, red, and white. We're trying to bring you into peak hipness. Peak hipness, George. Peak hipness. Other questions? Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, in terms of the East LA walkouts, when you were like taking photos, how did that feel? Because I imagine it was really tumultuous. You know, just seeing people getting hit with batons. Like well, I imagine. Yeah. I don't know. Like, how did you keep your composure? Oh man. Um, yeah. No, that's a good question. Um, um, you kind of can't believe it's happening. You know, it's so unnecessary. Um, but. Um, I guess you have to assume they they're, they're, they're know what they're doing. I don't know. But um, it can be annoying. I mean, um, the kid, you know, a lot of kids can get in your face and really they won't budge. And I can see uh, a cop person is cool, but you don't, you don't do that. You still don't do that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's a bad feeling to see people getting hurt that way. I think you cringe and look away. How old were you when you were shooting? The walkouts. How old were you as a photographer when you were shooting the suits? I don't know, 35. 35. Did you have any moments when you thought that could be me or that could be me on the other end of identifying with the students? No, no, not, not. No, well, maybe because, um, you know, when, when you work without credentials, you know, without a police pass, then you get it from both sides. Um, especially if you're in a Latino, Chicano, Mexican American neighborhood. You know, now it has to do with immigration, so people don't want their photo taken. But, um, but then a lot of people just, and then the, the, the authority, you know, police departments don't want you there either, so you just do the best you can. You know, I wish that, um, I have a lot of stuff on the moratorium, but I would have, uh, I would have, I would have a lot more if I, you know, wasn't told to leave, you know. But um, you know, you have uh, credentials with the LAPD. Yeah, see, that's very cool. Um, but if you don't, then you have to leave. 
This is Gary Leonard. Maybe one more question, comment? Yes. George, uh, do you have a favorite decade since you have such a large body of work to look back on uh, that you like shooting over the years? Is it possible to encapsulate it in a specific decade that you liked shooting the most of the last many? What, what, what was Your favorite decade? Favorite decade. Did, you, did you have a favorite decade? Probably the 60s, the 60s. So now it's going to change, it's being made. Um, yeah, I would say the 60s, there's a lot of stuff going on that was very new. You know? But my, but what, if there was any one moment uh, that uh, I felt there was change is when, uh, when I shot NWA and uh, when we were done, Easy gave me four cassettes of uh, Straight Out of Compton, and um, hearing that on my way home in my car, that you know, I couldn't believe that. I mean, I couldn't believe um, that that had been done. You know, and that was to me, he's like the John Lennon of rap. You know, Easy, um, and, and I think he alone is has changed you know, our culture a lot, a lot. You know, sometimes not necessarily for the best. You know? What was he like, George? What was he like? What was Easy like? Oh, Easy? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know, it's hard to describe, you know, that like the, the four of them, actually there's five of them when I shot them. Um, you can't question what they're up to or how they look, you know, you might think it's different, but um, but you you know, you realize that it, it's it's a change and um, uh, you, you know, you feel very fortunate later to have been around that and see that. Uh, he's very cool, he's a little guy and very muscular. Is it sort of like a Michael Jackson? Both of them very cute guys. Um, that's not a good way to describe them. But, uh, very good people. Um, Great eyes. You got the shot. Your, your portraits of him really capture his eyes, especially with the glasses up. The looks up. The, the eyes are beautiful. He, he, you know, he's very much out there. Sometimes a bit, you know, kind of corny with the, but you can't question that, you know. The most uh, hockey mask that he yes. wore. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes people do things you can't can't question. You know, style like who was there? I think it's LL Cool J used to wear one pad leg up to his knee. What's that all about? It's a white messenger on the side. Or some guys that show up and they still have the price tags on their clothes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not going to question that. I, don't know. <laughs> I know what I like. <laughs> so your next book will be a book on fashion. <laughs> that, that, that thing. Yeah. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming out, and I want also to thank George again, um, as I always do. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. 
Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.